Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. some foundational uh, work here first before we actually jump into teaching on miracles. It's so critical that we understand and return to our primary mission as a church. Let me read where it all started in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And this is what it says. To Adam and Eve it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number or multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. You see, there's, there's, that word subdue is actually a military word, which means to conquer. It's most likely that whatever was happening in the garden, it wasn't the same outside of the garden. And Adam and Eve were called by the authority of God as sons and daughters to go out and actually subdue the earth. Now, we know that Adam and Eve actually failed miserably at this as they turned their backs on God. And as a result, rather than subduing the earth, they actually were subdued by the enemy and fell under the kingdom of darkness, and that's where mankind found themselves. But the good news is is that Jesus Christ came to liberate and set us free. And one of the things that he said, I want you to see those full pictures. Before he left, he gave another commission that was very similar to that original commission. It's called the Great Commission. And before he left, he told his disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Do you see the connection between the two calls? As he told Adam and Eve to fill the earth, he told his disciples, go into all the nations. Why? Because I have all authority, and now I give it to you. It's as if Jesus is saying, the very thing that you lost, that original plan, it's time to go back to plan A. We're going back to the original call. I've actually reinstated it and redeemed your very purpose on earth, and now you can go back out and advance my kingdom. You see, we need to come into awareness of our true mission as a church and the true authority that we bear as sons and daughters so that we can actually begin to walk in what God has called us to. And the reason why I share that is because when we begin to walk out the true mission of the church and when we begin to actually understand the authority we have, we're going to extend the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is extended into especially the kingdom of darkness, the miracles begin to take place. Miracles are actually a sign of the the kingdom of light breaking through into the darkness. And the beautiful thing about this is that I believe all of us, because of the spirit of God living inside of us, have an unrelenting hunger to see the kingdom of God break through. You see, I believe so many are actually dissatisfied because they read the scriptures and see what's actually written in there, but then we don't see it, we're not experiencing it, we're not going after it. And there's a part of us that says, man, is this really all there is? Is this just a matter of talk? Actually, Paul said the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. It's a demonstration. I shared with you a while back, we see Muslims coming in in great numbers to faith because they're not just coming because of the the presentation of, of fine words, it's because they're seeing a demonstrations of the gospel. They're seeing healings and deliverance, having visions and dreams, and they're coming into faith in Christ. You see, I believe all of us actually have an appetite for the impossible. It's built into us because of the Spirit of God living inside of us. And I want to stir within you the fact that actually when we truly live out our mission and extend the kingdom of God, that we should actually see miracles as something quite normal. Salvation should be quite normal. 
We shouldn't see one get saved every few years. Salvation's normal. Reconciliation's normal. Healing's normal. Deliverance is normal. Miraculous provision is normal. Miraculous protection is normal. When we're actually walking with God has, these things should all be normal for us. And the beauty, the beauty is that God has not just called us to watch the kingdom be advanced. He actually wants us to be participants. God actually wants our lives individually and as a body to be a gateway for his kingdom to come. He wants your life to be a point for which the kingdom of God can break through. And I believe that unless we're actually seeing that, there's a measure of which deep down inside, we, we know that there's something that we're missing out on. I read, I was reading a few testimonies this week just to kind of just stir your faith. Um, there was a, a missions team from Bethel Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. And they were actually getting ready to leave. And I, I think they're actually getting ready to come back to the States and as they were getting ready to head to the plane, they stopped to get some food. And that was all they thought they were doing, is just get a bite to eat. So they came to this parking lot, and they saw this man who was in a wheelchair who was pretty, pretty beat up physically. And so they began to talk to him and ask what was going on in his life. And his name was Peter. And what actually happened was, is just the day before, there was a bunch of thugs who grabbed him, brought him into a nearby field, took everything, and beat him up and left him there to die. And Peter actually heard God speak to him in that field and say, if you stay here, you're going to die. And so Peter actually on his, on his hands, army crawled all the way back into this town. And so the next day, these guys are going to get food and they see him and they begin to minister to him. They found out that 11 years ago, he fell out of a, a few-story building and absolutely just crushed his, his legs and hasn't been able to walk or feel his legs for 11 years. So they began to pray for his legs, and Peter, in that moment, began to feel tingling in his toes, something he never felt before. They felt that the Lord was saying, we need to go buy this man's shoes and socks. So one of the members went and bought him shoes and socks, came back, put it on, and then Peter actually began to stand up and walk around, so the place was going nuts. The guy that pushed Peter around couldn't believe it. He wasn't a follower of the Lord, so they preached the gospel to him. He got saved right there, and as a result, they're in the middle of this parking lot singing, how awesome is our God. The best part is, though, is as they're singing this, now there's a big commotion because people see Peter, who's in a wheelchair, now standing up. So everyone starts coming over. They realize this is a great time to share the gospel of salvation. So they share Jesus Christ. People start giving their hearts to Jesus. Sounds a lot like the book of Acts. <laughs> the best part, though, is then after that, there's a van that's trying to push through because there's now a huge crowd. And they can't get through. And so the, some of the guys that were ministering felt like the Lord was saying you need to go into that van and talk to them. And so when they went up into that van, they found out that one of the men in the van was actually the, one of the guys who had dragged Peter out into the field to beat him up. And so some of the guys actually were so freaked out, they ran out of the van. But the rest of them stayed in there. They, they received the, the gospel right there. They, they received Christ. They also were wearing wristbands that dedicated them to witchcraft. They took those off and broke those as well. And so you have a crippled healed. Twelve people gave their lives to Jesus. You have reconciliation of a guy who beat up this other guy. And there was a measure of deliverance that took place, all while getting some food. <laughs> I just want to share with you, I believe that this is actually supposed to be the normal life. But here's the key, is they stepped out and took risks. That's so important. It's the working of miracles, it says, which means it takes action. I would say, God, I haven't seen anything like that. And what I have to say, because you're not stepping out. 
you have to step out and just begin to believe and say, Lord, I'm going to go out and proclaim the kingdom. Now, we can't guarantee that something's going to happen every time, but I know this. God, God is serious about his kingdom. So when we become serious about it, God backs that up. Mark 16, 17. This is an important scripture I want to share with you. Mark 16, 17 says that these signs will follow those who believe. Similar to what I shared last week when it comes to, to healing, faith is so important to see supernatural breakthrough and miracles in our life. And Mark said that these signs will follow those who believe. It's a continual trust in the Lord. It's not just a, a saving faith, but a continual dependence and trust in the Lord. And when we have this type of faith, it should actually be quite normal to see these supernatural breakthroughs taking place through our lives. But similar to what I shared last week, though, is that if we're going to have faith, then that means we have to come in the true renewing of the mind. And this is the key right here. Our minds have to be renewed. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, prove the good and perfect will of God. In other words, a transformed mind will lead to a transformed life. It's not just enough. When we say having a renewed mind, we're not just talking about learning new principles and revelations of God. We're actually talking about a mindset that's leading us to a completely different lifestyle. Your beliefs dictate your behavior. So when we put on the mind of Christ, our, we should have the lifestyle of Christ. He says, follow me. We are called to walk in his footsteps. But if that's going to happen, once again, we have to have our mind renewed and begin to think differently. It's not just a matter of moral thinking to have a renewed mind. That's important. But it's faith thinking. It's really understanding what it means to have the kingdom of God now living within us and extending that. The scriptures talk about the carnal mind. You guys read that, the carnal mind, the carnal man. Most of the time when I've read that, I've always thought about the carnal mind of the carnal man is when he is set on disturbing and disgusting sins. It's true. That could be true, absolutely. But it's deeper than that. The carnal mind is a man that is set on doing things through human wisdom, human understanding, human reasoning. When it says we need to put off the carnal mind and live by the renewed mind, again, it's not just moral thinking. It's faith thinking. It's not just enough to stop thinking about sexual sins and greed. That's great. But there's another place to take it to. We actually have to start thinking with faith because the kingdom of God is here. Jesus addressed strongly sexual sins and greed. There's no doubt about that. But if we wanted to, I could take you through the scriptures and make the case that what he addresses even stronger than that is the issue of unbelief. He actually says it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than these towns that were not believing when he was proclaiming the kingdom and demonstrating it. The issue of unbelief is so, so important. And so we have to have our minds renewed to begin to think properly, to understand that God wants to work in incredible ways through you. So here's what I want to do. I want to just lay a, a foundation for you with respect to miracles. I want to teach for a moment so you understand this. And then we're going to just talk through some of the mindsets that we have to have renewed and some of the purposes of why God, um, why God works in miraculous ways. So here's the first thing I want to share is, is the, basis, the basis of miracles. I want you guys to hear this. The basis of miracles rests in God. And there's three essential things we know, need to know about God to better understand why God works in these supernatural ways. It's his freedom, 
his love, and his power. And I promise you, even though we're going to really teach on this stuff, that there's going to be important application. The first thing is that it's God's freedom. You see, this is really important because this counters one of the, the misunderstandings of God that maybe you wouldn't necessarily identify as this, but essentially what we believe is it's called pantheism, which basically says that God is not outside of the created order. He's no different than the material world here. He can't work outside of the natural laws. And so God is bound by these things, and therefore there could never be something that, that transcends the natural processes. So when we believe in the supernatural, what we're actually saying is we affirm that God has the freedom to move beyond the natural order. Very, very important. We're actually saying that we believe that God often works through just the natural flows. He has set up natural laws. There's no doubt about that. But if God wants, he most certainly can, because of his freedom, work beyond those things. I want you to stay with me because this is important because it's going to stir up hope and expectation when you understand this. The second thing is that miracles are rooted in God's love. This may be the most important thing that, that I feel God was put on my heart. This counters the wrong thinking known as deism, which essentially says, okay, God's outside of this world, but he has no concern or care for what's going on. He has set things in motion. He has set things in place. But other than that, he's a distant deity. He's impersonal. He is not aware of what's going on in your life, nor does he even care what's going on in your life. He is like a cosmic clockmaker who's put the clock in motion and then lets it go and do its work, and he steps away. My friends, I want you to know that God is so aware of your life. God is so aware of every detail that's going on. God is aware of those who are in bondage. God is aware of those who need freedom. Do you know what the scriptures say? That if we could actually record and list every thought that God has towards you, it would outnumber the grains of sand. God is actually crazy about you. And someone needs to understand that God in his love is so aware of every situation that you're going through, everything that you're facing, and he actually cares deeply about that. In fact, God has already disproved that he's this distant God with a hands-off approach when he performed the greatest miracle of the eternal son of God entering into our world in the human flesh. And what was the motive for that? Love. For God so loved the world that he sent his son in. When you see the miracles, you'll see how often miracles are actually rooted in the love and compassion of God. I want to read the scripture with you. We'll put it on the screen. Deuteronomy 7.8. It says this. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why did God deliver the Israelites? Why did God work with wondrous acts and deeds and power? Because he loved them. He loved them. God moves in miraculous ways actually out of love and compassion for his people. When you look through the journey of the Israelites, we could point to many miracles, but we see manna from heaven. We see water coming from rock. We see sandals and clothes that don't wear out for the 40-year journey. All of it is rooted in God's love and compassion for his people. And when you fast forward to the New Testament, you see often that when Jesus is getting ready to perform a miracle, it's usually because his heart was moved with compassion. In fact, when he fed the 4,000, he said that his heart was filled with compassion because they had not eaten in three days. You need to understand that you have a loving, compassionate, merciful God 
who is aware of your needs and is not slow in acting. And the other thing is, is power, his power. You can, again, point to many different pictures of this, but miracles are rooted in the power of God. For example, again, the birth of Jesus, the virgin birth of Mary, right? Literally, it says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. She was literally overshadowed by the creative power of God, and as a result, life was produced. So I want you to understand why this is so important, because if each one of these, if you take one of them away, the whole thing starts to fall apart. God is free to move beyond the natural order. But if he didn't love us, he might not really care. And if he didn't have power, he may want to move and be, he may have compassion and want to move, but the reality is he didn't have the power to change anything. So God has freedom, he has love, and he has power. And as a result, this should lead us to have an incredible expectation and hope for God to do the miraculous in our life. When we understand, when we face situations in our life where we actually, we can't get past this place, there's a situation that's beyond our natural capabilities, man, it brings me hope to know that God is able to transcend that, and he loves me, and he has the power to do it, and therefore he invites us to come to him. How often do we look to many other means for breakthrough when God is saying, come to me? I desire to work in this way, and when we allow him to, it stirs our faith to believe for even more. The other thing I want to teach real quick is the, the description of miracles. There's four. Miracles throughout the Bible are given four terms. Wonder, sign, power, and work. In a wonder, what that means is that it's something that has no explanation. And as a result, it causes incredible awe, astonishment, and amazement. For example, Exodus 3.20. Look up on the screen. It says this. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. God said this to Moses. He called them wonders. You know, I think this is so important because often my tendency is I want to reduce God to a place where I can understand everything that he does. And if I can't, then I disregard it. The problem with that is I actually miss out on having a measure of wonder in my life. And the Lord was teaching me of how important wonder is because wonder fuels childlike faith. And there are ways in which God wants to move that are so beyond our understanding. And so often we actually dismiss it rather than saying, Lord, man, let me just sit on this to, just, to stir wonder in my heart. He calls them signs as well. They point to something beyond themselves. Miracles are referred to as power. And often where God's power is demonstrated, there's glory revealed. Like in the case of Lazarus. And finally, he calls them works. And I want to share this scripture especially. John chapter 14, verses 11 through 14. Look up on the screen with me. It says this. Jesus said this. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. He literally says, look, if you don't believe me in the things I say, at least believe in the things I'm doing. He's talking about the signs. He's talking about the demonstrations of the kingdom. This is so important to understand why, why God calls us to walk in this. And then he says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, there's that connection again, faith, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Will do. Not maybe, not might. Jesus says faith in me will lead you to actually have a lifestyle like I live. 
He says, and they will do even greater things than these. That's an amazing statement. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. Jesus literally says, when I go to the Father, I'm going to pour out the Spirit. I'm literally calling to dispense my life into you by my Spirit. And as a result, you will walk in my footsteps and do the very things I do. And then what does he say in verse 13? And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, my, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Literally, when we walk in the lifestyle of Christ and demonstrate the works that he did and demonstrate the kingdom, we actually bring glory to Jesus and the Father. So important. We bring glory to Jesus through fruits of being, like the fruits of the Spirit, absolutely. Patience, love, kindness. But we also bring fruit to the Father and Jesus through fruits of doing, which is demonstrating the kingdom as well. And providing platforms for people to say, now how in the world did that happen? And you can say, this is the glory of God is here. So, so important. So let me, let me, share, let me share this with you. Some of the things that get in the way of, of being open to God working in, the, in, in a miraculous way like this. The first thing is this. I want you guys to hear this because we need our mind renewed. The first thing is, well, doesn't Jesus warn about counterfeit miracles? So shouldn't we stay away? It's like A.W. Tozer and that crow in the cornfield, the dead crow that gets all the other crows to stay away. The enemy has put a dead crow so we'd stay away from the cornfield. But listen to me, we have to contend then for the truth. And this is what it says, Matthew 24, 24. It says, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect. That's a strong statement. He says there's signs and wonders that can be deceptive. There's miracles that can be deceptive. They flow from false prophets and false messiahs. But we have to understand this in the context and really understand what it actually is teaching as well. What makes something counterfeit even, even effective? What, what, makes, what makes something that's counterfeit um, have any type of power of deception anyway? If I have fake money, why does counterfeit money have any type of power? Because there's real money. The reason why there's a fake Messiah is a false Messiah is because there's a real Messiah. The reason why there's fake prophets is because there's real prophets. And the reason why there's deceptive signs and wonders is because there's true signs and wonders and true miracles. You see, if I were to come and say, you know what actually the scriptures warn more about? They warn more about false teaching. Yet not one of us would ever say, let's stop preaching the gospel. We just have to be that more intentional of knowing the truth. So actually, we can read this and say, yes, there's, there's certainly a warning. But honestly, it also teaches that, that there's real, that there's genuine. And that's why we have to contend for the truth. So at this point, many will say, well, how do we know the true marks of an authentic work of God? Well, to teach it in its fullness, we'll probably have to come back to this at the end. And I think we may. But let me just say this. If anything exalts the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's involved. It does not matter. Listen, no deceptive wonder that's rooted in the kingdom of darkness wants to bring glory to Jesus. So if at any point you say, I don't understand what's happening, but this is glorifying Christ. It's producing love for God and love for others. We have to just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I have to trust you. You see, the real issue normally is that we have an issue with the messenger. That's really the issue. And I understand that. But here's what Paul said. If this could just comfort you, maybe challenge you a little bit. Paul said he was in prison in Philippians. 
And he said, there's people preaching the gospel from selfish ambition. They're actually preaching it not to see, really what they're preaching for is to come against Paul. And you know what Paul said? I don't care. I don't care what their motives are. He says, you know why? Because the gospel is being preached. And we get so hung up on the person, and as a result, we say, no, I'm not going to receive that. Listen, we, what we really forget is actually how broken we are. The problem is, is the, the issue is we don't have a platform for actually people to see that. But if we did, they'd nitpick our lives as well. Now, I'm not saying that we should just throw away everything, and the scriptures are clear that we need to contend. But, man, we, what happens is we go so far to the other extreme. And that's where I think we find ourselves, what God's stirring in my heart, is that we have so shut down presentations and demonstrations of the kingdom because we call everything demonic now. We call everything counterfeit now. Let me tell you something. It is a dangerous place for us when we say that Satan can move in the miraculous, but God can't. We are in a dangerous place as a church if everything that happens that's miraculous is rooted in the demonic, and yet we say, and the God Almighty can't move that way? And that's where we're finding ourselves, where we're just saying, nope, that's false. He's a false prophet, and this comes underneath that. Now, we should have discernment and, and test these things, but, man, we need to be so careful to throw these things aside. You know why? I want everyone to hear this. This is so important. Because Jesus warns about a very particular sin that is so serious. And he had to stir my heart when I fell into that camp of just saying, no, that's counterfeit, that's counterfeit, because I don't understand it. He says, be weary of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Jesus went to heal a man that was blind, mute, and demonically possessed. And he actually cast demons out of him. And the religious leaders around said, fake, counterfeit, he's actually flowing in demonic powers. And Jesus said, how can a demon cast out a demon? The house is divided. He said, but if I cast this out by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is here. Again, he says, if this is true deliverance, this is a sign the kingdom of God is here. And then he goes on to say this, and you have to hear this. He says, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. That is a profound statement. He says, Speak against the Son of Man, that's fine. Speak against the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven for that. What is he talking about? Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me. To preach the good news, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. All throughout scripture, Jesus says, I've emptied myself of divine rights so that I must become completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. In other words, everything I do, Jesus says, is by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He says, if you deny the spirit of God that has come to liberate and demonstrate the kingdom and declare and celebrate that God's kingdom is here on earth, you are actually denying the very means of forgiveness and salvation. It's not that God doesn't want to forgive, but he can't. It is the Holy Spirit that's revealing God and wooing people. And if we say that it's the Holy Spirit is actually the demonic spirit, we're actually coming against God's spirit moving people to see Jesus. And we're in a day where this is happening, where every time we see a move of God, we say, demonic. And as a result, we're breaking, we're coming against God's movement to pull hearts to him by demonstrations of his kingdom. And so I share this to you. This is so important. Is that in, the, in our country right now, this is what I believe. Is that I believe as a whole, we're, there's, there, we're starting to see pockets of really kingdom living. 
and there's, there's crying out for an outpouring of the Spirit of God to just sweep through this nation again. But could I say, could I, could I say this? Could God in His goodness and in His mercy be withholding that very pouring out of the Spirit until the religious spirit is dealt with first in the church? Because if God allows the Spirit of God to be poured out and we're still stuck in religion calling it demonic, we just find ourselves in an unhealthy camp. So God in his goodness is waiting for us to repent of this mindset of actually calling that which is God's spirit demonic in order that we could see breakthrough. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Another thing that we need to, we need to address is this big lie about faith, which essentially says that it takes weaker, it's weaker faith. Faith is weaker that is, that is based on the miraculous. It's, it's superior faith to not need to see demonstrations of the kingdom. That's actually, that's actually so far opposite of what the scriptures actually show us. Now, someone can certainly come in the faith of Jesus without that. But to say that we want to demonstrate the kingdom to actually stir faith in Jesus, and that means that there's a weaker faith being presented is absolutely counter to the scriptures. Actually, what we see in scriptures is that miracles give us access to a measure of faith that is hard to develop otherwise. Where that mindset comes in, I want you guys to hear this. You guys follow me? Where that mindset comes in is from a scripture in John 4, 48, where Jesus heals an official son. And this, I'll just read the scripture. John 4, 48, Jesus says this. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Well, for whatever reason, that scripture is always presented in a negative context. As if Jesus is rebuking them. He's frustrated with their unbelief. If you actually read in his context, I don't know where that comes from. And nowhere does it say that at all. You see, we can take it to be something negative, or we can actually see that Jesus could have compassion, saying, unless you see things, you will never believe. Probably the reason why we see it in a negative light is because of our own issues of unbelief. Because if you actually see it in its fuller context... It says that in the beginning of this miracle, it says Jesus enters Cana of Galilee where he just turned water into wine. And you know what it says about this official son? It says the official son actually went after Jesus, which means he was well aware of what took place with the water, turning water into wine. And his faith was already stirred because of what happened. So he came to him when his son was sick. You see, the miracle that took place before already stirred a measure of faith. And not only that, after this miracle was done, because Jesus still did it, the entire household was saved. So Jesus actually used this to bring them into faith. Let me close with just a few scriptures here. If you read the Psalms, you will see that the Psalms are littered with language of praise and adoration because of God's wonderful acts and deeds. Listen, this isn't a matter of chasing after something. If you know us, you've been here long enough, we love Jesus, we want Jesus. We have to understand, this is part of following Jesus. And if we don't allow God's kingdom to be demonstrated, as we've shared before, we are reduced to doing ministry through natural means. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Paul says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, I didn't just speak words, I demonstrated as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but power. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says it again. He says this, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We're just hitting a few verses where it's constantly brought up that the gospel is not meant to be concepts and ideas alone, but there's a demonstration. If I were to come to you, imagine a, imagine a, imagine a car salesman. I'm a car salesman, right? And I, I want to sell you this car. I know. That'd be a terrible one. And I came forward. I want to sell you a car, right? And I'm, I'm telling you, man, this car is the best thing you could ever imagine. This thing has every feature. It's faster than every other car. It'll satisfy that thing that you've been looking for. And then when you say, yes, yes, let me encounter this car. Let me experience it. And I give you a brochure and say, read this, and, and you'll, you'll figure it out later. But this is what we do. We say, Jesus, he's healer. Jesus is deliverer. Jesus will set you free. And here's a track. We'll figure it out later. When actually a full presentation is saying, now, do you want me to pray for you? And I don't care if we don't see breakthrough right now. We're going to keep praying, keep believing for a full presentation of the kingdom of God. Listen, to, listen to in the gospel of John. The gospel of John is literally set up according to these seven signs. John actually says if they recorded every miracle of Jesus, they wouldn't even have enough books to, have to hold them in this world. He's probably exaggerating a little bit, but he's trying to make a point. Jesus was doing just kingdom work everywhere he went. And in the end, John says this, John 20, 30 to 31. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John literally says, the whole purpose of me recording these signs and these miracles is so that you will believe. That's the purpose, that these things actually create faith. And so when, when, we, when we allow God to work through us, when we're open to say, God, I want to I be used, God, to pray for the sick or whatever it may be, we actually create platforms for faith to be stirred and grow even more. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Man, I could share so many testimonies that take place. It's happening all over of just God moving in incredible ways. And again, the greatest miracle is salvation. There's nothing like seeing a life just far from God turn their heart to the Lord. But the reality is, is that 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that there's a gift of miracles. And that if it's in the scriptures, we have to open ourselves up to believe it. Do you, know that, do you know that miracles actually can train us and transform us? So important. Do you know that that's what they're actually, one of their primary purposes? Is that they're meant to reveal a measure of God's nature so that when we face similar situations in the future, we will not doubt but say, God has done this in the past, I'll do it again. In Mark chapter 6 and Mark chapter 8, Jesus did a miraculous miracle of provision. He fed 5,000 in Mark 6. Then he fed 4,000 in Mark 8. And at the end of the feeding in Mark 8, the disciples are getting in a boat. And it says they actually forgot bread. Can you imagine this? <laughs> they forgot bread and had one loaf. And they begin to say, what are we going to eat? And Jesus says, and I'm just paraphrasing it, but when I was reading it, it was in this tone. 
He says, why are you guys talking about what you're going to eat? He then goes on to say, do you not remember what happened with the 5,000 and the 4,000? He actually says this. He says, how many baskets were left over after the 5,000? And I almost picture the disciples like their heads down. And they said, 12. And he says, and how many baskets were left over after the 4,000? And they say, seven. And he says, is your heart still hardened? Do you still not understand? And what Jesus was trying to say is, why didn't your thought process, your mindset, start to change when I revealed my nature to you? Why, when you face another crisis that was similar to before, your first thought is your lack rather than what I can do? How come you didn't let that previous miracle change the way you see me because you encountered an aspect of my nature that you didn't know? I'm a provider. But how often does God come in supernaturally and say, that's cool, and we walk on? And we didn't learn the lesson that part of the reason God moves miraculously like this is to reveal his nature so that when we face future circumstances of trial and hardship and testing, that we can say, man, God has done this before. I can stand firm. We'll do this again. God provided miraculously when I had no food on the table. It's not because I'm lazy. There's just hardships coming to my family. When God has done it, he's going to do it again. I've seen God break addiction in my other kids. Man, he can do it again. Those miracles are meant to stir your faith. This is why when you look in the Old Testament and you see Moses and the Israelites, have any of you ever been blown away how the Israelites could encounter these miracles of God and then two days later say, we're going to die out here? I'm like, are you, are you serious? God parted the Red Sea. There's literally food falling from heaven, waters gushing out of rocks. And the next situation they face, they say, well, what are we going to do now? We should just stay in Egypt. We're going to die here. And yet then there's Moses who's walking so consistent through these trials. And what the Lord showed me and just spoke deeply to my heart is that when God was revealing these miracles, Moses was becoming acquainted with the nature of God. And as a result, when he went from one trial to the next, he was able to say, this is who God is, and he'll do it again. The Israelites, though, missed the lesson. And they only became acquainted with that temporary intervention by God. And as a result, the next time they faced another crisis, they began to melt again. When God works miraculous in our body, he's trying to reveal something about himself. So, so important. And so we need to say, Holy Spirit, we're open to you moving. And God, when you do move, let us not miss the lesson of what you teach us. Let us be changed and have a greater faith in who you are. Come on, stand with me. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.